Welcome to Copilot, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of an audio drama, but also the second. Sometimes the first episode is isn't great. So we watch, listen, not watch the second episode for you and give you our opinion on if it deserves more than just one shot. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be the Audible original Impact Winter. Impact Winter is brand new. It came out in February of this year. Yeah, 2022. And the person behind it, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, like the director. Yeah. Also did Pacific Rim. Oh. And a couple other things. Okay. That's all right. Pacific Rim was pretty good. The second one was bad, but the first one was good. But Impact Winter, if you don't know what an Impact Winter is, an Impact Winter is kind of like a nuclear winter. It's an actual scientific term. Yeah, but instead of caused by nuclear bombs, it's caused by the universe's natural nukes. No, not imploding suns or stars or black holes. You know, it occurs to me the universe just really wants to kill a bunch of shit. Um, I mean meteors. Big, big rocks being hurtled at planets. Yeah, he's talking about giant rocks falling out of the sky and killing the dinosaurs. Or people. People. Yeah. So one can only wish. Impact Winter takes place, I want to say, 2043? 2042. So close. I'm so bad at numbers. But in 2035, a meteor hit the Pacific Ocean. Yes. And plunged the Earth into an eternal night, or mostly a night. Yeah. They, they still get daylight. They get day, but it's very heavily filtered. It's like the thickest fucking cloud cover you can think of. Like, you can kind of tell it's supposed to be day. But if someone told you it was like the beginning of night or like the end of night, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So we start this show. I'm going to call it a show. It's easiest for terms. It is a show. Yeah. Yeah, it, definitely. It's equivocally just a radio show, but radio is not really a thing that people care about anymore. So, yeah. But we started this off with that exposition in the form of an emergency broadcast from the British government over BBC, stuff like that. Home office. That's what it's called. Yeah. The home office. Where they're just explaining, hey, we're about to die. We're about to get hit by shockwaves Waves. and firestorms. Seek shelter if you can, I guess. And then it ends with... A song about how the... Well, no, that's actually the beginning of the next scene. But it ends with a um, God Save the King which yes. implies that the writers of this audio drama do not expect the queen to live to 2035. More importantly, it means one very specific thing, which I find very important to the story. Mm, what's that? I'm going to go ahead and spoil something because it happens very quickly here. Impact Winter, there are vampires. Mm-hmm. So in this, it means, one, the queen is not mortal, which, let's all face it, that's a lie. She definitely is. <laughs> and two, she's not a vampire, which, let's face it, she definitely is. 2035 is only 13 years away. Yeah. I I could believe she'd still be alive. She'd be like 100 and something. She's a vampire. But I could believe she'd still be alive. Yeah. But the actual story opens up after the emergency broadcast from the home office Mm -hmm. with the song, Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. Yes. By... I don't fucking remember who it's by. The Walker Brothers. Ah, That sounds right. Yep. Which, very good song. Very... Like, not only does it set the tone for the show very Mm -hmm. well, but... So, this is an audio drama. Yes. But, like, I can 100% visualize this scene. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because the song is quickly turned off, basically, when our main character, who we get introduced to here, tells the other character in the scene to stop the song. It's not funny. Yeah. And that character, those characters are Darcy and Felix. Yes. Darcy is our main character, and Felix is another main character, but not as important. Darcy Dunraven and Felix Mulally. Yes. 
So Felix is checking sound levels on this radio station. Is they're in a radio tower. Yes. Well, they're not in a radio tower, but they're at a radio station. Yeah. yeah. And they're checking the levels because they are going to broadcast a message because they believe it should be reaching out across the English Channel. Because this whole story takes place in England. Yes. And the point of this message is to let others know that, hey, we have a civilization here. It's not big. We're survivors. We're like a hundred strong. And the call is specifically like sent to the UN and NATO. That's who they're like. Yeah, that's who they're hoping to reach. And they're like, or anybody else out there. Yeah. And so they're explaining basically their situation that they're holed up in a castle that also was a bomb shelter in World War II. And as they're talking, Darcy really wants to wrap it up the way and head back because apparently there's something they need to watch out for. It's the vampires, like I said. And Felix is like, no, we need to tell them what's going on. And and she's very resistant. She's just like, why? And he's like, because if there is someone out there. And they are going to send help. They They need to be prepared. To which she's just like. These things are fucking everywhere. And he's obviously like, well, you can't We don't prove know that. that. Yeah. We haven't heard from France, which is who they're probably reaching out to, given the area that they're in and the distance of the English Channel. We haven't heard from France in years. And she's like, yeah, pretty telling. But so Darcy takes this moment after some prodding from Felix to explain the vampires. They first showed up a few at a time after the impact. And they come in three types. The first type are called blighters. Yes, she also calls them feral in this opening bit as well. And blighters are like, they're like the vampires from I Am Legend. I mean, I don't picture them that way, but yeah. Like, they're obviously deformed, malformed humans. They don't wear clothes. They're, they're like the vampires from I Am Legend. Did she say they don't wear clothes? I, yeah, I, she said She said you could tell them by their naked, blood-covered bodies. Oh. Uh, yeah, like, they're just, they're, yeah. they're more monster and animal than they are human at yeah. this point. Then the second are, I forget what she called them. Shades? Shades. She did call them shades. shades. Which they look like normal people. Shades are your classic vampires. Yeah. You stake them in the heart. They go into torpor. You cut their head off. They die. Yeah. Same goes for blighters, but blighters are more like animals. Shades pass as people. Yes. And she's warning that shades are basically really fucking deadly because you can't tell the difference. And then she kind of just loses steam and Felix once again prods her to tell them all about the final one. And she's like, I've only seen it once. And you just better hope you never run into it. She doesn't really explain that one in yeah. this instance. Can I can I just go through like how this scene like looks in my head? I mean, sure. So if this was like a show or a movie, it would start with like the opening credits with the radio, the home office message. Yeah. And then like... It'd be a warm light, like not candlelight, but like incandescent light bulbs. Yeah. And we'd be at like floor level and like we'd be looking at like radio equipment and like Mm -hmm. the sun ain't going to shine no more would start playing. And we'd pan up to Felix standing at like either a record player or like something of the sort. Yeah. And then we'd get Darcy chiming in like, hey, cut that out. Like it's the scene is like so vivid in my brain. Even though it's just audio. Yeah. And, like, that might be because I listen to, like, audiobooks nonstop and my brain's constantly visualizing this stuff. Yeah. But, like, the sound engineering for this show is just very good. It's it's very well done, yes. And so, from here, we learn that a cold snap has occurred, which is also the name of this first episode. Oh, yeah, we forgot to give it the episode name. Episode one is Cold Snap. Yes, a cold snap occurs. It starts snowing pretty heavily, so Felix and Darcy decide they're going to have to bunk down in the radio tower. And Felix is like, how are we going to let Base know that they shouldn't send help? And Darcy's just like, if only we had 
a radio station. And so they place a call to base. I don't think base can respond because I think... Yeah, they don't appear to. It's not like it's a ham radio or anything like that. It's just yeah. they're like a, either an FM radio station or an AM radio Assuming station. Assuming like AM because it gets longer yeah. band range. And also it's pretty obvious with the way Darcy delivers her message, which is it's not asking or anything. It's literally just informing, hey, Storm, we're staying here. If we don't make it back, don't worry. Do not send people for us. If the storm breaks before night, we'll make our way back. If not, don't worry. We have supplies. Yeah. And we use this radio transmission as a form to change scenes to the base. Oh, and it's done so well. Because we go from, like, Darcy talking to, to, slowly transition it to a 10-year radio broadcast. God, I'm in love with the sound design for this show. Yeah. And we are introduced to Jep. And another character who I I think in this scene was the mayor. Dr. Gussie, yeah. Yeah. Gussie. And Jep is voiced by uh, Liam Liam Cunningham. Cunningham. Yeah, I almost forgot his first name. Who, if you don't recognize the name, you'll definitely recognize a character he played. He was Sir Davos, uh, the young knight in Game of Thrones. The young knight, like in Final Fantasy? Dude, every fucking time they called him that in Game of Thrones. That's where my brain immediately went. Yeah, I... There's, but, there's a certain generation of people who who were like the Onion Knight, and every yeah. time they were like Final Fantasy. Yeah, but it's him and Jep and Doctor Gussie are literally just kind of talking, and Gussie's just like, "Oh, you must be worried about her." And he's like, "Well, yeah." And she's like, "You don't need to. She's really fucking good at what she does. Like, she's a natural from the moment you put a fucking sword in her hand." Yeah. So I think this conversation, and there's another conversation specific in this episode. Yeah. That feels a little tilted, like you. Because she's like, you don't seem like the type to worry, but like she's known him for seven years. She she knows what type of person he is. She, yeah. he is. He, she wouldn't say that, but it's said for our benefit. Movies do this too. Yeah, they really like, do. Dialogue in movies isn't dialogue in real life. Yeah. It's- also, at, at the end of Darcy's transmission, she said, "I love you, Hope." Mm-hmm. And here we learn that Hope is her little sister. Yes, because they debate whether or not they should tell Hope right away, and they both agree. Well, she's eating right now. We'll tell her in a moment. Yeah. Which then leads us into the scene with Hope, where we meet her. I don't know if we learn here, but Jep is kind of like her... Yeah, actually, we do learn it here. Jep is both Hope and Darcy's, like, surrogate father. He wasn't, like, their stepfather or anything, but he was dating their mother. We don't learn that here. Uh, We do learn that later in this episode, but... No, we don't. We learn that in episode two, when he's talking with people. My bad, yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, you're right. When he's talking with Anton and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So here we then move to a scene with Hope, and I don't remember Fuckboy's name. (laughs) It's funny that you call him Fuckboy, because I actually listened to more episodes than the first two, but goddamn, does Fuckboy describe him right? Yeah, no, you get the immediate vibe. He is Fuckboy. His name is Jory. Yes. He has a Fuckboy name, so... Jory Hobbs. They are talking... Because Jory wants Hope to show him the notebook that she has, which happens to be a diary from her sister that she stole. He is played by Freddie Carter, also known as Kaz Breaker from Shadow and Bones, the Netflix show. I didn't fucking watch that. That looked bad and got horrible reviews, too. Though Kaz was a fun character in the book. He also plays Jason Ripper in the Star's original show Pennyworth, the show about Alfred. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, though, they took Darcy's diary because they both know that she haunts vampires. It's part of her job in the base. And that she she has notes in her diary that Jory says everyone should rightfully know. And he's not wrong. Like, we know throughout this episode and the next, we learn that security at the castle is basically four people. It's uh, Bash, Jepson, Darcy, Darcy, and I 
don't remember the last woman's name. Yeah. Also, technically, Gussie and then the doctor doctor they have. Zana. Zana's the fourth one. And then basically, the actual doctor they have and Gussie, because they and Jepsen basically make up the triumvirate that seem to run this place. Yeah. Yeah. So, as one of the head security officers of this base, this outpost, this colony, colony, so that's a good word for it, she's one of the people that are like patrolling perimeter, killing vampires that get too close to going on foraging missions and stuff so like yes she's encountered vampires she knows what they are and she keeps a detailed diary about this and it's, we get it we get a diary entry in episode two it's literally her. the intro to episode two yeah and it's it's not a diary so much as it is like a mission log yeah there's a bit of a diary aesthetic to it but it's mainly detailing the situation that they're in and so jory and hope want it because they're just trying to learn more about vampires in the outside yeah, world. Yeah, they don't really know anything. Because for seven years now, they've lived inside an underground bunker. Yes. So, as they're getting ready to look at it, both worried about the fact that they need to copy it down before Darcy gets back, they are interrupted by Jepson, who yep. has come to inform Hope that Darcy won't be there. And we learn here, like, that Jep and Darcy both don't really like Jory because he gives off fuckboy vibes. That, and he has a tattoo, which Hope points out is just a drawing he made in Sharpie on his skin of a vampire skull. We know this because it is a skull with fangs. I love how Jep is like... That's a bit inappropriate, don't you think? That tattoo. And Hope is like, dude, it's not a tattoo. I know we've been in a bunker, but that's not a tattoo. You, You spent most of your life... In the real world, you know what tattoos are, Jeff. Yeah, like, clearly we still have some form of electricity because we got that radio tower working and stuff. But it's not like anyone found, like, an Xbox and turned it into a tattoo gun in here, man. Well, like, so when he asked what they were going to go do, she's like, we're going to go watch an old movie. So not only do they have, yeah. like, they have electricity, they have running water, mm-hmm. they have movies and music. Like, yeah. For a post-apocalyptic colony... It's pretty cushy. They're doing okay. Yeah. Really, the only argument is space, but, like, the amount of space they have. Yeah. Well, that and space tried to kill them at the very beginning of this. Yeah. The only argument is space. You know, the the giant, intangible <laughs> thing that tried to murder them all. Yeah. So, we just learned that Jepson and Darcy disapprove of Jory and that Hope doesn't really give a shit. And from here, we then go back to Darcy and Felix at the broadcast hour. Oh, just a thing I would like to note. They do give us, like, the specific county that this takes place in, in Britain. But I don't know those, and I also don't give a fuck, so Dav- fight me. Davenport, I think. I think it was, like, Dinan or something. Denton. Starts with a D. That's what I we don't got. fucking know. But Jory also says to her while they're looking at Darcy's diary, Book. he says, um, Laurel and Niles are in now. Oh, yeah. So apparently and, they're up to planning something. We just don't know what it and is. And she's like, oh, so this is getting pretty serious now. That's all we know about it. Yeah. And we actually learned nothing else about it in these two episodes. Yeah, no, nothing at all. Yeah. And so we go back to Darcy and Felix. Well, there's one more thing with the diary. In the diary, they, they find a map that Darcy's kind of hand Oh, yes, yes. And there's an area in the north of the map that uses it, Arthurian language. but The I, Veil of No Return. Yeah. And Jory's like, what is that? And Darcy's like, oh, my sister's just a bit of a nerd. It's apparently where she saw it. And he's just like, oh. The Overlord. The Overlord, which we learn is the third rank of vampire, but Darcy doesn't, not Darcy, Darcy Hope doesn't know any more than Jory does because Darcy won't talk about it. Yeah. And then we go back to Darcy and Felix in the broadcast hour. Yeah. And so there's like ice clacking on the window here. You can hear the yes. ice coming down on the window. And Darcy's, you can hear the wind. Darcy's kind of like sighs and she's like, I guess we're going to be stuck here all night. So we might as well. Yeah. Bunker down. Get bunker down. And Felix is like shivering. He's like. It's getting really cold. Uh, and then he's like, we only have one bedroll. And she's just like, yeah, get in. Yeah. She starts taking her pants off. And he's like, whoa, wait, what? And she's just like, 
body contact. Body heat. Strip down to your thermals, bro. Yeah. And then they get in the bag and he goes to spoon her and she's just like, no, fuck that. That's not, that's not <laughs> how this is working. They go to get in the bag. And he's like, how are we going to do this? And she's like, spoons in our drawer. Yeah. And then he goes to be the big spoon. And she's just like, no. I don't want to know how happy Felix Jr. is about this. Yeah. He's like, oh, fair point. And then they go to bed. Fair point. Yeah. And then they are woken up around 2 a.m. Yep. by a sound. Or Felix hears a sound, Darcy doesn't. And he wakes her up. Yes. And then they kind of like... Shoot the shit. Yeah, they're, they're, they kind of shoot the shit. Like She's like, you know, you need to find yourself a real girlfriend. Yeah. And he's like, why? I have you. And she's like, no, I just take care of your ass because if you were left on your own, you would end up getting yourself killed. And he's like, yeah, you're nice to me. And she's like, she mentioned some other girl. I don't remember her name. And she's just like... Jimma. She's like, Jimma thinks you're funny. He's like, yeah, that doesn't mean shit. And she's just like, well, yeah, it doesn't. He's just like, no, she's interested in some dude. Bash. Bash. And because Look he's big, all the names. you have a fucking list of the names pulled up. <laughs> Don't act like you fucking remembered something. Don't ruin my magic. And he mentions that Jimma likes Bash because he's big and strong and good defender from a vampire. Good at killing vamps. Yeah. And Darcy's just like, they're not hard to kill. And he's like, I don't know how to fucking do it. She's like, I'll teach you. And he's like, there you go. Be nice to me again. And then she explains that you kill vampires by cutting their heads off. No. That's not till after she does. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. No, but she then he's like, "What about you? You ever think about?" And she's like, "What? Taking a lover?" And he's like, "He mocks her for her language." Taking a lover, and that's she, like a cheesy paperback romance. And she's like, "That's the only romance I have room for in my life." Yeah, he's like, "I hate how much you're always being burdened with." And she's like, "I'm not burdened with it. I take on the responsibility." Yeah, and he's like. Yeah, but you need time for you. And she's like, I find time for myself. Like, moments like this are nice. And he's like, oh, God, you're a virgin, aren't you? Yeah, he makes a joke about her never getting laid. And then they laugh and chuckle and have fun. And then Felix pauses again. He's like, did you hear that? And she hesitates for a moment. And then we hear, like, a snuffling and, like, a bit of a rattle against what sounds like a door. Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's there's one trying to get in through the window. Get away from it. I'll handle this. Yeah. Although, so, based on what we hear in this scene, because, again, audiobook. Yes. She doesn't put any clothes on before stepping outside of the radio shack. Yeah, no. Like, she's just in her thermals and steps outside. We hear her fighting a vampire and she comes back in and then she's like, get dressed. We need to go. Yeah. And he's like, wait, what? And she says, the smell of the dead one will draw her back. Which here, though, they also take a bit more moment to talk. Because this is where she explains that you kill a vampire by chopping off its head. Because staking it will just put it in a stasis. And the moment you pull the stake out, it'll be aware again. Mm-hmm. And she also mentions the fact that she's pretty sure the vampires are fucking with them on purpose. Because the one she just killed was a little girl. And yeah. she's saying the vampires do it purposely to fuck with their minds that they turn children. So Darcy is kind of just like a badass in the yeah. in this series darcy's character is a badass yeah but this is like the first sign of her like being like truly vulnerable he's like when she comes back in she doesn't just like immediately go get dressed yeah no she go. asks for a moment yeah because she just killed a child I yeah mean, it was a vampire but it was still a child at some yeah. point so then they head off to go back to base camp mm-hmm. and then we switch to two characters we haven't met yet anton and penelope yes and they are on their way to a castle, the castle. And Anton's first question for Penelope is, how are we doing this? And she goes, the same way we always do. We tell them the truth. Minus all the like messy bits. Well, he says, minus the messy bits then. Yeah. And then he's complaining that they could just get this done easily, like in Normandy. And she tells him that Normandy was a fucking mess. Now, now the best part is he, he he's like, no, if we, if we really wanted to, we could be like neck deep in blood tomorrow, like by yeah. this time tomorrow. It would be great. It could be in Normandy all over again. And she's like, come here for a second. And she says it in like a really sweet yeah. voice. And he leans forward and she grabs him by the throat and she's like, 
Normandy Normandy was a mistake. If it wasn't for me, you'd be fucking dead. Yeah. And then she says that they are the dagger in the dark or some shit like that. Yeah. The the dagger with the blade so fine that you don't feel it when it stabs into you. Yeah. And he's just like, that's not how we need to be anymore. That was the past. We, We now live in a time where we don't have to be that. And she's like, listen to me, you little fuck. Yeah. And then vaguely reprimanded, but annoyed. He's just like, well, you're at least going to tell me what we're going for. She's just like, no, just know that it's important. Yeah. So, and they approach the gates. People see them. And that's kind of where we just in this episode. Uh, this episode ends with Bash calling to Jep because Bash is in tower. Yeah. There's two unknown people out there. They're not Felix and Darcy. They got two human looking individuals. And Jep's like, okay, I'm sending a party up to greet them. Yep. Open the drawbridge, but don't open the gates yet. Yeah. And then we end the episode. Yep. So, what are your thoughts on episode one of Impact Winter? The soundscape is amazing. I'd have uh, to agree, yeah. I like most of the voice actors. The only voice actor whose voice like grates me in any way I'm not enjoying is Hopes. Yeah. Um, which is, this show is like legitimately like Liam Cunningham plays Jeb. Yeah. Himesh Patel plays Felix. Yep. And you might not recognize the name, but he was the lead actor in Yesterday. Yeah. He, he was also in Don't Look Up. He was also yep. in Tenet. Like, this show is just filled with, like, legit actors. Yeah. It also has a bunch of other people who were in Game of Thrones. Not any big, big roles in Game of Thrones, but we're also in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Darcy is in a bunch of movies as well. Like, they've yeah. all done a lot of work. But yeah, just Hope's voice kind of, like, not my... It's not bad. It's perfectly fine voice acting. Her voice is just slightly annoying, which, I mean, fits for what I assume her character is going to be. She grows a lot. I Like I said, I listened to too much of this show by accident. Yeah, I don't fucking know. Based off what I heard, it fits your character. I, Especially with her line complaining to Jory about how they need to get this book back because there's yeah, a long old code when, when that sisters who steal their sister's diaries are shitty sisters. When she's talking to Jory, she's like, I'm such a terrible sister. Yeah, he's and she's like, like no, no, you're not. not. And she's like, there's an old code about stealing your sister's diary. It yeah. makes you a terrible sister. Yeah. Uh, but no, I really like the show. I Okay, so- I didn't expect the show to be... I I expected it to be more horror than it is, because even in episode one and even in episode two, okay, there's not a lot of horror yeah, in it. Yeah, I'm going to be straightforward. I didn't think there was going to be any horror at all, based purely off of the cover art that Audible chose for it, because that cover art screams young adult power fantasy. That's a fair point. That kind It of- is a woman with a hood up, holding a sword, silhouetted, snow... Some smoke above with like a tinge of red of a blood moon. Yeah. It screams young adult power fantasy. Fair point. Based on the description, I I expected more horror. But even then, I guess I shouldn't have because the intro to the show calls it a gothic tale of dark and light. Yeah. And like that doesn't. No, those are key words used in young adult power fantasies. But it's good. I enjoy it. Like it's a good story. Yeah, I would agree. I also really enjoy the sound design for it. Also, the music selection for the show is very strong because, like, yeah, I mean that's the, very much part of the sound design in an audio drama. Though we we have just the one actual song in this. Yes, but there is a song in between episode one and two. Yeah, it's and just all very good. It all fits really, really well. Mm-hmm. And the arguably most important part with the sound design is everything is balanced super well. Give some audio dramas and audio plays that exist nowadays where when you have people speaking or doing dialogue, you don't have the background sounds going on, mm-hmm. which I mean, that's that is a way to do it, but it does kind of break the immersion. This is one of the ones where you have your background audio going constantly. You just balance it correctly, which doesn't sound like a big issue, right? But actually balancing something like this strictly for audio 
and making it all still sound fine without losing the background noise or getting too muddied or overrunning your actual main audio is kind of hard just based off of all the shit I've listened to. Like, you have so many that fail to find that balance correctly. So I know you listened to this at work. That's where I first listened to it, too. Yeah. Did you listen to it with two earbuds or just one? One, one, because I can't listen to it with two. So my first listen through was mostly just one earbud, but I have listened to parts of this with two earbuds. Yeah. And it's not just that the soundscaping is done really well. It's done in such a manner that like when something in the show happens on the right side of the... It's binaural. Yeah. yeah so like, most things are when like you have a balance that well. It's very good. I very much enjoy all the work that they put into this. But that takes us to, to episode, episode two. two. The Truth Unsaid. Oh, okay. I mean... I didn't know that was the name of the episode. Yeah, if you just listen to this on Audible, it's very easy to just miss that A, it has episodes, and B, that the episodes have titles. Yeah. But there are a total of 12 episodes in the first season, I guess. Yeah, I would call it a season. They all have individual episodes, and they all have a runtime of around 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Some are a little shorter, some are a little longer, but yeah. So we start episode two with a diary entry in real time, assumedly from Darcy. Yes. Because it starts with the date and then she corrects herself because it is actually 2 a.m. So it is a new day for her. Mm -hmm. So the first episode takes place on the 16th. 15th. 15th. The second episode starts on the 17th. Yes. But the entire episode itself is actually mostly a flashback. Yes. It's her journaling and we're just experiencing that. Yeah. So the first thing we get is her saying the reason why she woke up, which is she had the dream again. And the dream features a man who she can see through her binoculars and he's over a quarter mile away. Yes. And so she sees this man and suddenly his vision snaps to like meet her eyes. Yeah. And she hears a voice as if it was right next to her saying, I see you. So she turns around to look, and there's no one there. So she she looks back at him, and in his place is a giant black dog. So then she just mentions all the ghost stories her grandmother told her about giant black dogs, which, you know, evil omens. There's a fuck ton of those. The bar guest, which is the only one I recognize. The shriek. Yeah. The the shrike. The bar guest, the shrike. Yeah. All these things that that are the big black dog that brings ill omens. You know, serious black in Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. And then she kind of just... Starts to describe basically the 16th to us. Yeah, she's like, only I really understand how quickly the outside world can infiltrate our safe space here. Because she's talking about how she doesn't want Hope to know how bad it is because she wants Hope to feel safe. And if Hope realizes Darcy is scared or she doesn't know how to deal with something, she's worried her sister will feel unsafe. Yeah, so this is the Overlord. Yes. Um, And she doesn't, she, like, the way the Overlord is just so vastly imposing Mm -hmm. frightens darcy and she doesn't want hope to ever like have to know that type of fear and that's where we come back she's like the the outside world can just way too quickly make its way inside and And then we move to the 16th where jep is in a room with penelope and anton yep but before we get to the interrogation room we get darcy meeting up with hope and hope's like oh so i heard you and felix got stuck in the radio tower outpost by yourselves overnight and darcy's like yep well i mean darcy immediately hears about jep being in this interview yeah in this interrogation that he has set up yeah but hope shows up to talk to her yeah and And to tag along despite darcy telling her to not come to this yeah so hope is just kind of teasing darcy and she's like yeah where are you going so fast and darcy's like jeff is interviewing two newcomers they showed up just before felix and i got back and she's like oh can i come and darcy's like no and then Hope's like, I don't have to listen to you. I'm an adult. Why did yeah. I even ask? So Darcy tells her to take her pill, which 
we don't really learn what the pill does here, but she tells Hope to take it and takes one herself. Uh, but Hope complains that it makes her feel sick. So she's not going to. So so Hope ends up tagging along with Darcy and they, yeah. get, they get into the, not the interrogation room where Jep is with Anton and- On the other side of the out. two-way mirror. Yeah. Uh, uh, the and Gu- Gussie, yeah. the effective mayor of the community, is supervising the interrogation from this yeah. side. And they get in the room and this is where Darcy goes, hey, Gussie, do you have any- I think it's called Indinadrine. I think it started with a D. I don't fucking know, though. And Gussie's like, yeah, it's in the drawer there. And that's when Darcy looks at Hope and goes, hey, if you're going to stay, you have to take this. Yeah. And then Hope's just like, I don't want to. It makes me sick. And she's like, they're not going to be able to mesmerize me from, from over here anyways. They don't even know I'm here. And Darcy's just like, if you can, if hear, you can them, hear their voice, they can affect you. Yeah. If you can hear them, they can mesmerize you. Yeah. So Darcy takes her pill. Hope refuses. And we see Jep now doing his interrogation of Penelope and anton yeah and so penelope and anton are their story is essentially we fixed a boat an old fishing trawler and came across the channel mm-hmm. and from then friends we walked We're, along the highway yeah followed the river until we found the castle just looking for a place to bunk down mm-hmm. and jeff is like jeff's not really buying it hope has totally bought into their story hope is like oh yeah they're, they're obviously just a couple like we should just accept them in yeah and she's asking what jeff's doing and darcy explains well jeff was a mi6 agent he knows what he's doing he's been trained in interrogation yeah, and, and Hope goes, oh, but you still don't know what he's doing, do you? And then Gussie interrupts and she goes, they're recording this so that in the future, if anything goes wrong, they can go back and analyze and figure out what yeah. they missed. So it's not so much that it seems Jep's not buying it, because in the interrogation, it seems not necessarily that Jep isn't buying it, but that he is kind of being somewhat of a stickler for details. Yeah. But it hasn't set off Penelope or Anton yet. Yeah. and Which Hope- is vaguely important, because... In the last episode, when talking about stuff, Penelope was very convinced that she could pull the wool over their eyes, despite the fact that Anton pointed out that yeah. these people seemed to know what they were talking about because they did hear the message on the radio. Yeah. And it's at this point where Hope is like, they're obviously fine. Like, we should just let them in. And I don't even know why we're doing this. And so Darcy goes, look, take the drain or get out. And yeah. And Hope- bells. Hope goes, okay, fine. I'm- and leaves. Yeah. And we get some more details here. Anton and Penelope, when asked about how they've been living for the last seven years, they talk about having like moved from settlement to settlement. Well, the first thing they ask is, Jep wants to know where they're originally from. Mm-hmm. Because despite saying they were from France, he realizes that Penelope has a London accent. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, yeah, um, I was in France for a college trip. And like, Anton claims his family had vineyards in France. Yeah, and that's where he is originally from. And that comes up because they have what look to be grow lights, UV grow lights, in the interrogation room. Yeah, that's not what brings up where they're from, but it, it does mention the, the, vineyards. Vi- the vineyards. Because they see the UV grow lights and Anton comments on it. And Jeff's just like, well, this is where we would normally grow tomatoes, but I had them clear the area so we could do this. Yeah. And this is also where Jeff explains his backstory of where he came from before this, which is he was in the area with a lady friend of his and her daughters. Yeah, they were He doesn't explicitly say that it's Darcy and Hope and their mother, but it, it very much feels that way. Mm-hmm. And it definitely is, obviously. Yeah, and he mentions they were on a train bound for like... Yeah, they were they were going somewhere. I don't think the train part really matters. Not, not specifically. And then from there, they're talking more. And Jeff's just like, you know, though, what doesn't really make sense to me? Why you guys seem to be so determined to uh, come here? Like, why you were in such a hurry? And they're just like, what do you mean? He's like, well... Seems to me a person who wasn't that desperate wouldn't 
spend a month fixing a boat and then crossing the English Channel. In such weather conditions. And then that's where they're explaining that, well, yeah, we'd been going from camp to camp and, and the camp in Normandy... Was kind of like a home to us, but it didn't last. Some bad people showed up. Hooligans, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, oh, I know. And they're like, but that's not us. That's... Yo, bro. Definitely not us. We are not hooligans. Not us at all. And he's like... Which, if you remember what Anton said, they're definitely the hooligans. He murdered a bunch of fucking people. Yeah. And at this point, he kind of presses them. He's like, look, when you were in France, what was it like? Were there people... Like, like what about the other survivors? And they go to talk about the people. He's like, not the people. And Anton's just like, well, I, there were some rats and stuff. And he's like, I don't think that's what you would have been running from. And Anton goes to try to tell more bullshit. And Penelope's just like, the others. We were going from the others. And Jeb goes, oh, so they're there too. And you were hoping they weren't here. And they're both just like, yeah. And he's like, okay, okay. Well, why didn't you just say that? And they're like, well, because honestly, if they weren't here and we told you, hey, we're running from vampires, you would have looked at us like we were insane. Yeah. And then there's like a brief commentary on things not necessarily looking the way they actually are initially. Yeah. To which he's just like, yeah, for example, well, these UV lights. Specifically, she's like, we, we didn't mean to lie to you. It's just, you you know, like, you wouldn't have believed us if you didn't already experience it. He's yeah, like, he's like, we I, all know something, I know a little our... something about lying myself. Yeah, we all bend the truth sometimes. For instance, the tomatoes. Yeah, and then he has the UV grill lights turned on. And he explains that while the UV ray lights aren't the sun, they work pretty well on a pinch to show people's true colors. And, and like, as this is happening, we get vampire shrieks and cries of pain from Anton and Penelope. Well, they're not even like grow lights. They're like high-powered yeah. UV bulbs. And Anton's like, the light alone's not enough to kill me. And Jeff goes, yeah, that's why I got my axe. Under the table, pulls out axe to attack. And then we go from Jeff's perspective area to Darcy standing outside, telling Gussie to hand her the crossbow and let her in. Yeah, and Anton like knocks Jeff out of the way, hits mm-hmm. him. Takes the axe and bells out of the room when it is assumingly unlocked for Darcy to go in. And Darcy enters and she trains the crossbow and Penelope. And Penelope's like, hey, yo, my hands are up. My fangs are in. I'm not a threat. I don't want it like this. Yeah. I wasn't trying to start a fight. This is not how I wanted this to go. And so. Jeff tells Darcy to take off after Anton. And Darcy also tells Gussie to raise the alarm. They have one on the loose. Yeah. And Darcy leaves the crossbow with Jep because he no longer has his axe. She, because, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, what about you? And she goes, I have my sword. And yeah. she takes off after Anton. So while pursuing Anton, we hear like whispering. We can't mm-hmm. really tell what's going on. But as... Some whispering and soft conversation. As Darcy rounds the corner, it becomes more clear. And Anton has hope. hope. As a human hostage. And, and he has Jep's axe. And so we kind of get the standoff where Anton is trying to mesmerize. And the the way they do the mesmerization effect is really nice. He's already yeah. mesmerized Hope because Hope didn't take the Indenadrine. Yes. Also, we can tell because Hope's voice is very flat compared to how she was earlier. And, and when Anton attempts to mesmerize, his voice becomes almost echoey. Like yeah, it gets layered. a little bit of reverb and they make it a bit louder as well. Mm-hmm. And in this standoff, Darcy's telling him, if, if you hurt Hope, I will make your last moments very, very painful. Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, but let's not do that. Look, you put down the sword and I'll let her go. And he gives her a mesmerized com- command to put the sword down. And so she throws the sword down mm. and he actually does let go of Hope. Yes. And tells Hope to go. He and Darcy need to talk. And Darcy kind of hugs Hope and is like, hey, go to your bunk now. Like, run. Yeah. And Don't Anton's come out like, the alarm's yeah. over. And Anton's like, oh, how cute. And then he goes on a, a little bit of a monologue like, look, I know you're scared. I know what it's like to have to live in the dark and scavenge for things at night. To- Hide in the basement of castles. Yeah. I know what that's like. I had to do that. I was in your situation until not too long ago. 
I can feel some empathy for you. And then he kind of like, I can't tell if it, if this was him offering to turn her into a vampire mm-hmm. or if he was threatening to kill her. But he's like, yeah. I could make all of this go away. Yeah. All of your fear and pain, I could release you. And like, I can't tell if he's like, yeah, I can turn you into a vampire. Or no idea. He's like, but as he's doing this, he's getting a bit closer. And Darcy says, I can pick up my sword and kill you before you can get me. Yeah. And he's just like, you don't need your sword to fight me. You don't need your sword at all using his mesmer powers. And she just agrees. And as he gets closer. Well, she he, He's also still got the axe. And like, she talks yeah. him into disarming the axe. Because yes. He's like, He's trying, like, I'm just trying to have a conversation. And she's like, yeah. you don't need an axe to have a conversation. And he's like, oh, this this little thing? I don't need this at all. Yeah, he, he talks about how it's pretty old and probably wouldn't do anything anyways. And he th- so he throws it aside. And then he gets up to her and he's like, you don't need to be so afraid. Your heart's beating so fast. And she's like, oh, that's probably just the pill. He's like, what pill? And she's like, oh, the one I took so that your fucking hypnosis bullshit wouldn't work. And then she fucking murders the man. I don't know how she kills him because she doesn't use her sword. Because after she finishes fighting and killing him she goes you're right i didn't need the sword but like i assume she just rips his head off with her bare hands yeah well i mean like she's like 19 or 20 like or you know it's possible he dropped the axe at an angle where the blade was actually kind of sticking up we don't know how clear this hallway was you knock him down curb stomp his head the way his neck goes through the blade who knows but yeah so they get in this fight Uh, she wins she wins and then we kind of transition into a meeting between the doctor, Gussie, and, and Jep. Jep. And the triumvirate running the base. Yeah. Uh, and we learn that Jep's leg was injured during his little scuffle, but the doctor fixed it up. He got him a nice cane from upstairs, which was apparently a museum, and his cane belonged to Sir Francis Drake. Not an important fact, but it does show that they kind of care about the culture they had because both the doctor and Gussie are like, Probably shouldn't break that. Be careful with it. And Jeff's just like, oh, fucking course. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, of course, I'm going to be careful with that. It was Sir Drake's. Francis, yeah. It was Francis Drake's cane. I'm going to be careful with it. Yeah. So the doctor's name is Clive. Yeah. So we have that. But- so Clive, Gussie, and Jep are all talking about the strange situation they find themselves in regarding Penelope. Who is currently locked up in, a, in the security wing. Yes. Because she is apparently seeking asylum. Yeah. And Jep is really pissed. He's like, what are we fucking doing? She's a vampire. We should have killed her. My job is security. You're making that really fucking hard. And Gussie's like, well, she came asking for asylum and like, we can't just murder somebody who's not actively like trying to harm us. And Jep's just like, why not? And she's just like, and then Clive's uh, like, because we can learn a lot from her. Yeah. She, it's, it's so rare to have a willing, living ex- subject. Yeah, and, he's and, like, and then Jeff's like, she's not alive. And he's like, eh, well, yeah, we potato, don't know. potato. Well, Clive's just like, well, we don't really know. And then they're kind of talking. And Jeff's just like, is she even willing? And Clive's like, eh. And Gus is just like, we also don't know if the experiments would hurt her or anything. And he's just well, like. And Clive's like, well, it really depends on how she feels pain or if she feels pain. And Jeff's just like. I'm not bothered by the fact that it'll cause her pain. Yeah, so we cut, then we cut from them to Hope and Darcy. Yes. And Darcy's just, like, trying to make sure Hope's okay after being held as a, yeah. a hostage. Like, hey, you can talk to Gussie. She was a psychiatrist. A trauma therapist. A yeah. trauma therapist, yeah, sorry. And Hope's just like, no, I don't remember anything. It's fine. Yeah. And that's kind of the end of this episode. Yeah, especially just the end of it. Yeah. I think Darcy yeah. once again touches on the fact that things are more dangerous than Hope knows. Yeah, yeah because again, this episode's all flashback. So Darcy ends her, her diary entry with like, a Hope has come to like view this place as boring even. Which is good. It's good that she's bored. It means she's super fucking safe. 
and like she doesn't understand how dark and how dangerous the yeah. outside world can get and how fast that can things can change. Yeah, and then that's kind of just the end of the episode. Yep, it's very good. Um, a lot of building in this episode. It's it's just a lot of intrigue. Penelope like being in the castle. Yeah, is is an obvious risk to everybody. Yep. We don't. We still don't know what Jory and Hope and their other friends are planning. We don't know if Penelope was actually seeking asylum. Or if she was seeking something else, or mm-hmm. if she actually was seeking asylum, well, then what is she seeking asylum from? Mm-hmm. Assumedly, being Overlord Vampire, which would be really obviously a strong BBEG, Big Bad Evil guy for the series or season at least, but we don't know. Yeah, so what did you think of episode two? Honestly, I liked episode two more than episode one. Episode two does a lot more to build the world, which is why I like it more. Yeah, I like world building. Mm hmm. And also, I mean, I enjoyed the tiny bit we had of Anton and Penelope at the end of episode one. So getting more of them in episode two was good as well. Yeah. I think just adding a larger variety of cast makes the show kind of glow. Yeah. Because having Anton who like exists for an episode and two and like three or four sentences in episode one immediately getting murdered set some stakes. Yeah. Agreed. Penelope like working a subterfuge that hands up things in (laughs) hands up things that is such a good line that's my new squad call that's what my entire squad's gonna say when we head out places hands up things in instead of fucking wills up or whatever that shit was it's gonna be hands up things in uh fuck uh yeah no i'm i'm a huge fan of this I, I really like the show. I would definitely finish it based on these two episodes. Yeah, I would definitely watch more. Well, listen to more of it. I would consume more of this form of media of this specific show. Yeah. And I mean, like, the entire show, the entire first season is like four and a half hours, but 29 minutes of that is in credits. So it's really like four hours for the entire first season. Yeah. Very reasonable, especially if you're listening to it while you're doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very much enjoying this series. Now, here's the, some big spoilers. This is just the first season. Yeah. The entire season kind of ends on a cliffhanger. I may have already finished the series. Cool. Not I'm, I'm just saying not if, a problem. if, if you finish seasons it. Seasons do that. Yeah. So we, we might be waiting for a little while. The show was, the first season, Impact Winter, was in production for two years. So take that how you will. Yeah. I think it's very good. I, I agree. It's also very good. You should definitely listen to it. If you have Audible, Audible. Plus, it's part of the Plus catalog, so it's free to access. I don't know what it would cost if you don't have Audible Plus or even... Probably not a lot. Yeah. Very good. Definitely worth a listen. I mean, that's all I have to say. Cool. So, that being the case, there are numerous ways you could reach out to us. Like a radio broadcast. Now, I don't know exactly how you're going to get the range you need for that, but hey, if you manage to get a hold of a radio signal and broadcast it to us, I'm probably not going to hear it. I don't use the radio, but who knows? You can try it. I very, very infrequently, like less than twice a year, listen to anything radio. So you have a tiny window, a tiny chance. I'm occasionally in a car and occasionally people have the radio on. Mostly not, though. Mostly people don't listen to radios anymore. (laughs) But... Arguably a more consistent and easier way to get a hold of us is by emailing us at our Gmail, copilotsreview at gmail.com. Or on our Twitter at copilotsreview. Or you can find links to our email, our Twitter, our Discord where you can message us, our YouTube, and our Patreon. That's right, we have a Patreon. But you can find all of those at our website, copilotsreview.simplecast.com. And we just want to thank you for flying with us. And please, fly again soon. Zoom.